What's up, everybody? It is Richie here bringing you season two, episode 27 of the F1 podcast. Happy New Year, everybody. It's been a couple of weeks since our last episode, um, but we are ending off season two on a high note with something really exciting today called the Formies. And we talked about this in our last episode. We are doing an award ceremony with awards from you, the fans, and we really appreciate these nominations. And I'm really excited to be joined here but with Erica and Andrew. Hello, guys. How's it going? Fantastic, baby. The Formies are here. Celebration to last throughout the years. Can't complain. Whoop, whoop. Gotta love award season. We had the Golden Globes. Was it the Golden Globes? Am I? Yes, it was. Yes. Yeah, our that shit was last the night. Golden Globes. Those are, that's so passe. <laughs> Screw that. Formies People... is where it's at. More people wish they could be nominated for the Formies, but alas, they cannot. Who needs a Golden Globe and an Oscar when, when you, you have get a the Formie? We the still need a, We still need to figure out what the trophy looks like, but we're working it. You know, this is where we do our plug-in it's, about it's, sponsors. Um, it's uh, Leclerc's missing tire from that pit stop. <laughs> you lose. All right, we can go with that. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> All right, we're starting the digs already. Okay, first, we just want to thank our fans for an amazing year. Uh, we also, big shout out, 200 followers on Instagram. Let's go. We are at 209. We'll make sure we'll thank the uh, those that followed in the comment section below on YouTube. Make sure to follow us on YouTube, uh, Twitch, Instagram, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. But without further ado, let's get into the award ceremony. So our first award will be the race of the year. And I am honored to give out the first award. So the nominees are the Bahrain Grand Prix, Silverstone slash the British Grand Prix, and the Interlagos Brazil Grand Prix. And the winner of the race of the year for the F1 2022 season is... I'm sorry, Interlagos. It is Yay! the Brazil Grand Prix. <laughs> uh, just, just to talk about, we have, there was a lot going on during the Brazil Grand Prix, Brazilian Grand Prix. Um, Kevin and Magnuson uh, getting his first ever, um, uh, first ever. Uh, well, I forget what the word pole is. Position. That's, pole that's position. What called. That's what it's called, Richie. It's called pole position. You can tell it's been a little rusty, so no wonder. <laughs> you know, first award ceremony. We're just kind of going, but yeah. Kevin Mag getting it. Um, I don't know what else stood out to the committee of Russell's first win, part of the F one. You know, Mercedes' first win of the season, considering they were a dog shit car in Bahrain to where they were able to get to in Interlagos, like to their standards. Let's put it that way. To their standards, they were very bad, but they were able to get a W, and it really could bode well for next year. So I think, uh, did Russell surpass Hamilton at that race? Who knows? Well, well, they're already starting to talk about that. Um, who is going to take over uh, Mercedes for next year? So the conversations are already starting, but we're very excited. The first award to go out to uh, the Brazilian Grand Prix slash uh, great track in Interlagos. Um, we're going to turn it over. <laughs> we're still test. We're, we're really excited. You know, new year, new sound effects. And uh, shout out to Erica for all these. You know what? I'm so happy to send it over to Erica for the next award. Erica, what is the next award today? All right. So our second award is Overtake of the Year. So basically, we had quite a few contenders, but we saw some exciting wheel-to-wheel -wheel action, and we wanted to call out 
couple of our favorites. So our first nominee is Ocon's double overtake against Vettel and Gasly at Spa, which was very exciting to watch. And our second was Vettel overtaking Zhou Guan Yu at Circuit of the Americas for the American, uh, the United States Grand Prix. It was a pretty awesome around the outside and then sweet cut onto the inside. And with that said, the winner is... Look, oh, what am I saying? That was almost the wrong one that I read. It was Ocon's <laughs> double overtake against Vettel and Gasly at Spa. Yay, two awards in. We almost had our first Steve Harvey moment of the night. Perfect. <laughs> you lose. This is where they cancel the contract completely. <laughs> But yeah, so we saw some great wheel to wheel action. For those of you that don't remember, it kind of looked like it was Vettel and Gasly that were duking it out at Spa. Uh, but all of a sudden, Ocon really kind of came in with that straight line speed on the Alpine, got neck and neck, and kind of weaved his way around the two in order to have this awesome, really quick double take. And there was just and such great wheel to wheel action all year that it was really hard to pick. You know, for instance, you know, even at Silverstone when it was at Perez, Hamilton, and Leclerc battled it out. Uh, during the race there at the end. That was some great overtaking, but I agree, Erica. That over that Ocon double overtake was wild because they that was through like Radion and through a Rouge, and then Ocon was able just to kick him down the Kevel straight. It was pretty sweet. Gotta love the straight line speed on that Alpine. I mean, honestly, some racy action coming from that car. Uh, but with that said, I'm going to pass it over to Andrew for our next award. Thank you, Erica. Well, this is the worst strategic decision of the year award, or we should probably just rename it the Marinello Award, you the C Red Award, the Not So Prancing Pony Award. I don't know. A lot of it's Ferrari based, as you can probably tell. The nominees were Ferrari giving Leclerc the hard tire in Budapest. That was uh, brought in from our good friend Tyler, you know, good friend of the podcast, Tyler. He mentioned that one, and I totally agree. That was kind of funny putting him on the hard tire. Never was a good look, especially when. You know, in the um, in the cool down room, everybody who finished on the podium was laughing at you for making that decision. <laughs> Unbelievable. The second nominee is Leclerc pit stop in Monaco when he literally double pitted behind <laughs> signs when he had the lead and then literally gave up the lead <laughs> based on two pit stops in a row that were quick. Uh, you could tell by Leclerc's reaction. He was very pissed off. And I don't blame him considering that's his home GP. Uh and then the third nominee was Ferrari Bart was was signs his engineer barking in his ear to box while he's in mid battle with Perez at Paul Ricard. If anyone has seen that, on, just go double check that on YouTube. It is one of the funniest things you'll watch. Um, but the winner for the worst strategic decision of the year is Leclerc's pit stop in Monaco. I'm not... No. No, I'm not clapping to that one. You lose. I will. Yay! John, any I, comment? No, I no, no. There's no comment. I, it's you know, you walk off the stage, you accept your award, and just bugger off. <laughs> if I could. Here's say my so. thing. At least with McLaren, they had a crummy car and they knew it. Ferrari has no one to blame but themselves. Honestly. I, <laughs> especially I think the most embarrassing part of that is the fact that was Leclerc's home race. And keep in mind the year before he crashed his car during um, qualification and silk and could even race. So Leclerc Leclerc racing in Monaco is like a recipe for disaster. Let's just say that he has not had one good. I don't even think he's had a good race ever in Monaco, but just 
just next award, please. Start playing the music to get us out. <laughs> well, going to the other end of the spectrum, Eric will be presenting the next award in terms of the best strategic move of the year. Yeah, so on the flip end of the spectrum, like Cleary said, we have our best strategic move of the year. And we have several really fun nominees here. So the first being Ferrari sacking Bonotto for Fred Vassar. We've got Hannah Schmidt's masterclass at the Hungaro Ring for Red Bull. And also McLaren's marketing strategy in Miami that led to double DNFs. Again, uh, great promo, not great results. This was a dig at me. Thanks for that. (laughs) But with that said, our winner for best strategic move of the year is... Schmitz's masterclass at the Hungaro ring or honestly just Hannah Schmitz in general like she was on fire this year she's proving that there is an awesome place for women in racing whether you be on the track or whether you be one of the engineers and people making it happen behind the scenes she she really did get some abuse this year online and it really cannot be said it was because she was bad at her job it really just speaks to the fact that we still aren't really on equal footing between uh, the genders here in 2023 now, 2022 at the time. But holy hell, this girl is good at her job. To be honest, she's a trailblazer in the sport. And those, you know, who had the, you know, the, it's we're not part of the boys club anymore. You know, people get with the times. Hannah Schmidt was the mastermind behind the entire RB strategy operation that won them. I think it was 17 or 18, 17 races, 17 races wow. this season. You have to respect that. So I totally agree with you, Eric. Best strategic move of the year, Hannah Smith's masterclass at Hungaro Ring. You know what? Horner hiring to be the chief strategy, the strategist, first and foremost. And then keep in mind that Red Bull won 17 races of the year um, and captured 759 points in the constructors. So not only dominated the driver's uh, standings, but also destroyed in the World Constructors Championship. And I, I don't know if that's the highest in terms of points for constructors, but it was still pretty impressive because I think it was if they they I think they capped it in Mexico because then Ferrari had no chance of getting there. Getting I think there, it was so. I think it was the year that Rosberg and Hamilton were battling it out at Mercedes. Yeah, was the year that Mercedes I think Mercedes had the highest number of team points available, wow. but because they won everything, they won every race but two. Yeah, so kudos to Hannah and the whole team at Red Bull. They really, uh, but mostly her, and so she deserved that award, uh, very much so. So I will get the next one because it's a it's a fun one. Uh, I will be presenting today's radio soundbite of the year, and let me tell you, we had a lot of really good ones. So, um. First off, Leclerc at the French Grand Prix, the famous no. I'm not going to do that because it's quite loud. Um, <laughs> but maybe I'll put it in the sound bites. Uh, Joe's in Monaco. Uh, I need new pants after that. Uh, almost hitting Gasly on the turn. I think it's, I don't know if it's the chicane. I forget what that turn is. It, it was uh, the one coming out of the tunnel, going yes. down the hill oh. into, into that chicane. And how I think Joe lost his back end a little bit and almost just destroyed Gasly on the side. The third nomination, uh, this guy only knows how to drive in first. And this was Alonzo on Hamilton uh, at Spa. Uh, Nominee number four, Carlos Sainz. Sainz telling his team to stop intervening at Silverstone. Uh, was inventing. Stop inventing. Sorry, inventing. Um, And then the next one is Debris behind on an outlap. What Debris? Um, so those are the nominees. 
Um, and so the committee decided the winner is Carlos Sainz with those two amazing. <laughs> we made an ex the committee made an exception because these were probably the most hilarious sound bites I've heard all year. Just the fact that, you know, at Silverstone, the fighting between his uh, trying to defend Leclerc, trying to protect him. And also when DeVries was having his first race, I guess like his first and being, being called DeVries, um, <laughs> Carlos Sainz, you know, first race win of the year this year. But masterclass on the sound bites on the radio. Some might say a smooth operator on the sound bites. Smooth oh. operator. Wonderful. So I, I'll be presenting the next award. Uh, you know, we see uh, at the track, everybody has their own take on what to wear. So we want to do the Lewis Hamilton Fashion Award, aka the best race day attire of the year and people say you can't win your roars well we say screw that because <laughs> <laughs> the winner of this year's lewis hamilton fashion award is lewis hamilton with his jammed out with his jammed out canadian tuxedo at monza and then his pretty nifty canadian tuxedo at montreal as well uh the canadian tux on wears it very well so yeah even though these people say you can't win your own award nope He's too good. Dude's digging the double denim, and I, for one, am here for it. As a Canadian podcast, we love a good denim. Yep, that we do. I'm wearing some high-rise denim right now. It's <laughs> super fun. If any of you are into wide leg jeans. Ooh. <laughs> Yeehaw. Howdy. All right. <laughs> and again, we're going to flip it to a more negative side of the spectrum after some uh, lovely, uplifting, and funny moments there. I have the pleasure of talking about the nominees for bonehead play of the year now you may be going how is this different than worst strategic decision uh that's because you know with strategic decisions there's usually some level of thought that go into them however with these awards no level of thought went into them none whatsoever uh so we have three different nominees here the first being ferrari only bringing out three tires for leclerc uh where is the fourth one you may ask i imagine lost at the depths of the sea having making sweet sweet love to a mermaid um that's all i can really think of we have latifi forgetting the track at suzuka during fp1 just suddenly turning off into an escape route which i don't even way have. too early <laughs> i don't i don't i don't even have what do you okay uh, and our third nominee is Ferrari leaving their own wheel gun out for just about anyone to run over. It just, you know, it's really funny. Like, I did, I just, anyway, the winner is Ferrari leaving their own wheel gun out for anyone to run over. Hey. Now, I have to say, this was particularly funny to me. One, because this was the same race where Ferrari only brought out three tires for for a tire change. But when I was doing my master's and my MBA, like we're, we're talking about like management skills and high performing teams. And I laugh because in every HR course, they turn to Formula One pit crews as like the epitome of what a well-functioning high performing team looks like. And um, well, we, we, we didn't get that here did we you lose no 
We did not. <laughs> it was literally like their B or C team out. Like I, I know that Zanvoort has a tight pit lane to begin with, but no team had that issue but Ferrari for somehow. The guy had to just throw the wheel gun out and... And Perez was the one who ran over it. And it was just like, what the hell was that? I have no words. I have no words. Like, who does that? And it and it's not, not like it was close by and it was tight. So Perez was kind of cutting it close. Like, it was in the middle of no man's land. It was just there. Which I, oh, honestly. Anyway, that's bonehead play of the year to Ferrari leaving their own wheel gun out for anyone to run over. <laughs> You lose. Well, keeping on that form of boneheadedness, um, I'm presenting the next <laughs> award, and we're calling it the Goat Tifi Award. You know, Mr. Latifi, unfortunately, no longer in Formula One next season. I've had an interesting time in his three years um, in the sport with Williams, and my, my, some might say have caused some unnecessary crashes. Uh, one of them flipping the switch at Abu Dhabi last year, and, oh. you know, People still can't get over the fact that that screwed over Lewis Hamilton, according to a lot of, according to Hammer fans. However, we're nominating the most unnecessary crash or the Goatee Award this year. So we have three nominees, two of them by the same person. There's two people by the same. So George Russell, aka the Spearfisher at Circuit of the Americas, um, and forgetting how to turn, he just decided to go dive into everybody's kitchen, which isn't good. Um, the second one was Russell's crash against Mick at Singapore, where he completely closed the door on Mick on the way outside and said that, in fact, Mick closed the door on him and he didn't have as much space. I'm like, dude, check the replay. You had this, you had two car lengths of, or two car widths of space to make the turn. And then the third one is uh, Stroll crashing against Alonzo at Circuit of the America this year against Noah's future teammate and completely close and completely doing the unnecessary last minute defense maneuver that sent Alonzo into the stratosphere. So <laughs> the winner of the Gotifi award is Stroll's crash against Alonzo at Coda. Phew! Now everyone's thought on this one. Buddy just flew. Do a barrel roll. <laughs> Change the definition as to what a flying lap is in one move, honestly. <laughs> but um, I just don't get what you're doing. Like, I, I understand it's on it's wheel wheel action racing, but that was so late, and it's against your future teammate. Yeah, that that's the most bought that like the when the committee saw that that was like highlighted right. I think that was the first award nobody argued about the fact. Yeah, that mind boggled me. And it's A, it's your future roommate. And then when you saw when Alonzo was trying to pass, it was not like a small kind of move. It literally just jerked over and hit him completely. I, I'm shocked that they're going to be teammates next year. That should be an award next year, but whatever. Just going to leave it at that. Honestly, Alonzo kind of keeping his head cool in that one and not just going off on the radio and saying something shocking and un unforgivable to a future teammate is the most impressive part of it, in mm -hmm. my opinion. <laughs> like... We're, we're used to Stroll making stupid decisions and not knowing how mirrors work, but, you know, it's... It is what it is. It's Yeah, it is what it is. Uh, we'll see how 2023 plays out for these folks. <laughs> Are they going to do well next to each other? I don't know. We will I, see. I don't know. I, I If you're an Aston Martin fan, I wouldn't... I would be skeptical in terms of team performance until the new facilities built at the end of the next season, 2024. 
when the new wind tunnel is going to be coming in in 2025. So we shall see where this goes from here. Um, but from the unnecessary crash award to the best defensive move, Rishi. Well, not only it's the best defensive move award, it is the everybody that loves Lord of the Rings. It's called the You Shall Not Pass Award. You shall not pass! And we only had one nominee, and on unanimous decision, the award goes to... George Russell's defending against Max Verstappen at the Spanish Grand Prix. Wait for the applause. Come on. I can't. I just, I, I have a, what, what is the, the green screen or the monitor? Yeah, just not, it's not working out here. It's a little delayed here. Um, but I, you know, six race into the season, um, George Russell, obviously his first year with Mercedes, and he's not afraid to go against the defending F1 champion and literally push that car Especially because you got to keep in mind the first year, the first couple of races for Mercedes wasn't really that good. Hands down. I think that was probably like, he deserves this award. No question about it. And like the amount of times Max Verstappen was frustrated on the radio uh, really showed it. We love to see it. He may be one of the best drivers out there, but we love to see Verstappen all flustered. He's at his best when he's flustered, to be honest with you. Yeah, in terms in terms of providing content for the F1 community. Oh, Race-wise, not true. much. <laughs> no, no. Uh, interesting things happen in those instances. But, you know, we not only saw some really great racing, but we did also see some really entertaining other moments happen on the track. Uh, with that said, we will introduce our nominees for best on-track race moment. We had a couple of different ones here. So some of them you'll probably be like, oh yeah, that was funny. Other ones you'll be like, oh, that was just a good time. Uh, so without further ado, we had Vettel and Alonzo's photo finish at Suzuka, despite Sky Sports not showing it. So if you were able to catch clips and replays of it, phenomenal driving and a very exciting finish. We had Alonzo's finger wag at Yuki in Austria. And we also had Danny Rick doing a little finger pistol shooting at Ocon before overtaking him in Mexico. So three really good nominees here. And the winner is... Danny Rick shooting at Ocon before overtaking him in Mexico. Honestly, the only race in which I think this would have been more appropriate would have been Circuit of the Americas for the U.S. Grand Prix. I just think that one, it's it's Texas and with the whole Wild West thing and, and Danny Rick being Danny Rick when he's in Texas, it just would have been a little chef's kiss moment. Um, but hot damn, that was just quality. The most frustrating part about this was that it took it took until Mexico to get the old Danny Rick back. And it took like an incident on track. I think it was against Yuki. To really be like for Danny Rick to awaken and just overtake after overtake and have fun with it. And I'm like, man, if we saw this, just I wish we saw this earlier and he would be still potentially having a seat for next year. But nevertheless, I agree, Erica, that was an awesome moment. If you caught on the helmet cam too, you just see him wagging his finger pistol at Akon and then just breezing by him on the street. Fortunately, Danny Rick, he is the reserve driver for Red Bull this coming year. So there is a chance we will see him on the track at some point if for whatever reason, one of the two main guys cannot race. Uh, so hopefully we get a little bit of that DR swagger coming into the 2023 season. Not that I want anything bad to happen to Verstappen and Paris need to make that abundantly clear. Uh, but you know how it is. 
Well, you know, it was a great F1 season, but no F1 season doesn't come without any controversy. So, uh, you know, for this award, we're doing the most controversial decision award. And we are we are naming it after our boy, Mr. Michael Massey. So, yes, the Michael Massey Award had two nominees this year. The first nominee was the safety car ending at Monza, in which we really wish Michael Massey was actually back because he wouldn't have let the, the race end under the safety car because there could have been some really great on-track battles, especially for, for, for P1 at the end of that race. But that didn't top off this nominee. So the winner of the Michael Massey Most Controversial Decision Award of the year goes to... The entire FIA for letting teams off easy for the cost cap breach. I honestly can't believe that there weren't greater penalties for that. I mean, bringing in the cost cap was supposed to result in either teams being better at managing their spending overall so that we don't have overages or so that there truly is a penalty if you go over. And, and just to think about this, this is a couple of years ago, Racing Point got caught stealing Mercedes's design of their car and they lost points in the championship that caused repercussions in the constructors and none of that happened this year and even like one of the bonehead moments was red bull spending more money on food and they it like come on how do how are they able to walk from that like bro put the lobster down and maybe just have a burger i think but that's what it, they're but it's true about. right because now it opens the door for future teams to see because and now it sees okay what is red bull going to be like performance wise with these cost cap breach penalties that they have to feel that they experience next year and really, if it's not much of a difference, watch the bigger teams like Mercedes, Ferrari spend over to get that additional development. Because if at the end of the day, it's not a big deal, then we really are back to square one kind of in our issue where teams aren't, it's not much of a bunch anymore. We're still having the top three teams being, you know, the powerhouse. It's not on the same financial level, but again, they still are able to put those resources in to make the better car. Yeah. Cause at the end of the day, even if you do limit the amount of time someone has in a wind tunnel or anything like that, a lot of these developers are already miles ahead of some of the others in terms of the cars that they're able to produce. And it's not really a penalty. And even with the racing point scenario, there was, I think in some way, like, yes, there were parts that were kind of stolen from Mercedes, but I also think there was sort of like a mutual agreement and like racing point may have even paid for some of it and yet they still got a penalty because you're not allowed to do that and that's against the rules which when it's mutual between two teams and you get a penalty i think when you're doing crazy stuff like this it should be a bigger penalty when it truly is like a very obvious breaking of the rules but nevertheless yeah. we're going on from you know building off of you know how last year or you know from a controversial decision to you know how we both how we all kind of got into the sport yeah so for many people drive to survive the netflix docuseries has been a way to introduce them to the world of formula one and get them really excited about the sport we know there's a few People out there who are little fancy unicorns who have always known about Formula One and have been big fans of the sport for a long time, whether you had family that got you into it, you just happened to stumble upon it yourselves. But there's no denying that even among the American audience or the larger global audience outside of what has traditionally been, I'd say, a mostly kind of European favorite sport, uh, Drive to Survive has had a great impact in teaching us more about the drivers, opening us up to the drama that goes on behind the scenes and learning more 
about how teams make the decisions that they make. So with that said, our next award is the Drive to Survive Moment of the Year. We had a couple different nominees for this one. Uh, we had, uh, honestly, I don't really think we do have a bunch of different nominees. I think these all kind of got lumped into one together, didn't they? So with that said, our Drive to Survive Moment of the Year is... Interlagos! So there's quite a few different moments here that I think everyone uh, will be really excited to see play out, no matter which team it is that you're rooting for. Uh, so the three really notable ones that stuck out to us were, first and foremost, Kevin Magnuson taking pole, which, you know, Haas really had a great year and was starting to turn around as a team, but I don't think any of us expected that from this car particularly this late in the season. Uh, we know that Netflix is going to absolutely love milking the drama of the radio messages between uh, Max and Checo, wherein Max was clearly not performing at the level that Checo wanted. Checo felt he could go faster if he passed to catch up to some of the other cars, but Max would not let him through, uh, which I think will be really interesting to see play out because Max is no longer participating in Drive to Survive, so it would be a very one-sided telling of the story if they choose to focus focus on that and lastly we didn't write it down but this was George Russell's first win um yeah. that's pretty exciting and something to celebrate as well uh we really like uh, we've mentioned before Mercedes turned their car around as the season progressed and to see a freshman Mercedes driver someone who's clearly had a little bit of experience in the car but this being the first full season in seat love to see that come around and see a little GR fancy boy on top of the podium <laughs> I think I just I just like to add, uh, especially with the Brazilian Grand Prix being so late into the calendar year and the drivers championship and I think that the constructors was already pretty much determined by then. This was kind of the first real race where we saw a lot of things that really didn't go the way that we anticipated, you know. So that I think that's what made this award or this race or Interlagos so uh, like so amazing was just because of all these things that came out of nowhere and especially the drama going into next Next year uh with max and checo let me tell you i don't think checo is really gonna hand another a three-peat to max no, no i, I wouldn't be i also Sorry, think they're go gonna create a moment um in dts that pits the hamilton russell rivalry especially with russell being the only one to win in the mercedes car this season lots of drama speaking about drama this is actually not really a drama award but today we're allowed uh sorry the next award is the Michael Schumacher Award, a.k.a. the MVP Award. This award is awarded to the driver who stood out throughout the 2022 season. I think it's no surprise. Uh, the nominee was Max Verstappen, and this was a unanimous decision. So we are proud to announce the 2022 Michael Schumacher Award goes to Max Verstappen of Red Bull Racing. Uh, what a year it was for the Red Bulls flying Dutchman. Um, he is the 11th driver to win back-to-back -back world champions, uh, world titles per se, with 15 races uh, wins this year, 17 podium finishes, 454 points, surpassing the previous total set by Lewis Hamilton, which was 413. Eight pole positions uh, this year. And uh, let's just keep in mind that he led 616 laps this season, 305 more than any driver with second most, which was Leclerc. Um, wow. It was pure domination from Max Verstappen 
to win his second world title uh, driver's championship. A record-setting year and a year where we were pitched the idea that there would be closer racing and red, and he just dominated the field. So yeah, he definitely deserves the Michael Schumacher award this year. Supermax was on another echelon this year in terms of drive uh, driving ability and standard. So congrats yeah. to Max on winning this award. As much as it pains me to say it, because I don't think I've made it a surprise. I'm not the biggest Verstappen fan. The kid really pulled it around. He had some races where, I mean, we think of Spa, where he started in 14th and by the fifth lap had passed like 10 people or something like <laughs> It was absolutely crazy to see the guy keeps a level, a level head when he's in the car. Most of the time he's able to make smart choices. He's able to do great things. Uh, He's able to, you know, maybe push back against some of the instructions he gets from the engineers, but ultimately, you know, come to an agreement and make the decision that's going to put him in the best position for the race, which um, yeah, I can't fight with it. It was just a great season of racing for Max, even if he wasn't really racing against anyone else. Well, dig out Ferrari there, because why the hell not? You lose. Get on to the next award. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, this season, we did have a couple newcomers of the year, uh, newcomers of, you know, coming into the sport this year. So we are doing the newcomer of the year or the new phone who dis award. We have two nominees, um, Zhou Guanyu being the new driver at Alfa Romeo. And also Nick DeBries or Nick DeVries, whoever you, however you like to say his name, um, for his performance at Williams, Aston Martin, and Mercedes, I believe. <laughs> the guy was the only guy who played all of the above, all of the above <laughs> Mercedes teams. So the winner of the new phone who dis award goes to Mr. Zhou Guan Yu. Now, he didn't have much competition this year. However, I do think Joe really proved his worth this year, despite a bunch of the a bunch of technical retirements. He did some amazing on on track, uh, you know, racing. So able to score some key points early for Alfa Romeo. And um, I think he's only going to get better next season. I think he would have done much better this season if only his car was more reliable. And it's unfortunate because, uh, you know, Bottas did carry the team in moments of the season. And very surprisingly, I I was at at times. But definitely, if they were able to have two competitive cars, um, I could have seen Alfa Romeo obviously finish higher in in that. And obviously, kudos to Nick, uh, you know, coming in to Williams. When I think that was Alex Albon who got really sick, um, and was able to score points in his first race because not many drivers could say they uh, they they've done that. Yeah, very scary time for Albon at that moment. I think that's when he had his uh, appendicitis and then the bad reaction to anesthetic and scary for him, but great to see that there was someone who was able to really kind of pull it around for Williams and get more points than the guy who's actually filling a seat for a short while there. So. <laughs> And to think um, that he only needed one race to tie Latifi's total season points finish as well. I think I think Latifi finished with two points, and yep. so did DeVries. <laughs> oh boy! But uh, excited to see what DeVries does uh, as the Mercedes reserve driver next year. No, he's off the Alfa next. He's off the Oh my god! Year. What am I saying? Where am I? Where's my head at? What am? Oh <laughs> lord! Anyway, uh. are these your head scene stars or maybe dollar bills? Because Jono has the next award. Yes, and I'm really excited about this award. Uh, this is the most expensive bill award. Um, it is pretty self-explanatory. Uh, this award goes out to the event that had a pretty hefty price tag, and it was not uh, not quiet to the fans. 
Um, so the nominees are Sebastian Vettel's uh, retirement dinner, Sergio Perez's Red Bull win at Monaco, the Red Bull post party, Bahrain's Ferrari's one, two, uh, first time in, I think three years that Ferrari came one, two in, in a race. So that was definitely probably a party, but the winner of the most expensive bill goes to Sebastian Vettel's retirement dinner. And it was a really nice gesture. Oh, did it again. Uh, <laughs> if, if you guys saw on, our, we obviously posted this on our Instagram page, but towards the end of the season, all the drivers got to rev, uh, together to have a farewell dinner to celebrate uh, Sebastian Vettel's career in Formula One. The man won over 50-something races. I think it was 53 uh, and four uh, world titles. The bill came out to 140,000 pounds, or I think euros it was, uh, if I'm reading this correctly. Um, but also, Lewis Hamilton picked up the bill. Go find a picture say... of that bill online, because the it was insane. Oh my god, all the bottles of wine. Just, I mean... Not necessarily the price of them. I do get that they were expensive, but like pretty good choices all around. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, I I love you both dearly. But if ever we pick up a tab that size, I'm not paying for it. We can be dine and dash. If, if we get sponsors, maybe they can cover our our dinners. So that's another shout out to our sponsors. To, to be fair, if we had of which yeah. we have none. I think we'd yeah. be able to afford it if we were to do it. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Uh, also, um, honorable mention for that most expensive bill is uh, Red Bull's food bill for the entire season. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Just a couple million over the mark. But hey, as Eric alluded to earlier, maybe stem away from the lobsters. Go to the chicken tendies instead. Yeah, we're down for the chicken tendies. Some little chicky nuggies. I hear Burger King's got a pretty sweet meal deal going on with those um maybe maybe consider that next year i also had one i was gonna write down here but i decided to go with checo and red bull because we just know that was absurd but i also figure whatever the bill is after a night of max and lando out partying is probably a pretty (laughs) strong contender as well we've seen the photos those guys look like they're having a good time and i do not think that they are making their friends pick up their own tabs wasn't that really good photo of fernando alonso on new year's two partying wasn't there oh with him and george russell yeah that was just Oh, that was a good one. I want to be at that party. <laughs> our our next one, we're going back to the driving now after a fun little uh, couple side moments there. But we want to talk about the midfield. We saw some really exciting racing from some of the drivers that weren't necessarily vying for a podium finish, but who were still duking it out to get into the points or to secure as many points as possible for their teams. So we wanted to talk about our midfield driver of the year slash most underrated driver. And we came up with two nominees here. Uh, Lando Norris finishing P7 in the overall driver championship and Ocon finishing at P8. And after quite a bit of debate, we landed on Esteban Ocon. Now we had a couple of reasons for this. Uh, I'm sure some of you are surprised that to learn that Ocon was my suggestion and not Lando as the McLaren fan, but we had some pretty good reasons for this, didn't we, folks? Well, first of all, uh, you beat Alonzo, right? Yeah. Uh, technical DNF society, yada, 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 still was able to beat a two-time world champion in the same car. And I think, you know, Alonzo, sorry, Ocon was pretty consistent. He had a pretty consistent year. Um, He did some great races, you know, with a P5 in Austria, a P4 in Japan. He was able to bring that car somewhere that there 
they, that car was not, I don't think personally was meant to be there into P, uh, P4 in the world, in the constructors championship. But like it, it's credit to his driving was able to like get them over McLaren in the constructors, I, I believe. And, you know, even though that Lando did win the only podium outside of Mercedes, Ferrari and Red Bull, uh, I think overall Akon deserved this, uh, this, this award, in my opinion. I love Lando, but I think we kind of expected him even with the state of the McLaren to, to do the kind of performance that we saw from him. Right. Obviously many of us, I think I'm, I'm just hoping there's more fans out there that we're hoping for more from the McLaren car, but to still finish P7 was good. But like you said, we didn't expect the kind of performance that we saw from the Alpine. We knew it had really good straight line speed. It didn't necessarily handle as well or as uh, speedily around some of the bends and turns as the other cars out there did. And it showed, but Yet somehow, Ocon came P8, which is a commendable performance and why he was our underrated midfield driver of the year. Yeah, so, you know, along with the season, was a lot of great content that's developed in the F1 community, um, especially the pictures that we see on Instagram. So we wanted to uh, do the best photo of, from the F1 season year and dedicate this award to our favorite F1 photographer, Kim Illman. Uh, check out his YouTube channel because he does create great content for the F1 community. And John had the um, privilege to meet him at Montreal um, during the, I think it was one of the free practices, right? Free practice one, I believe it was. He came to the Lance Stroll section and I turned around, I saw his bucket hat and I knew it took me a second and I knew it was him. So I'm very <laughs> appreciated to Kim to get in a photo with us, uh, with me um, and just, you know, just talking to me because I know taking photos at a, at a race weekend is uh, a lot of work and the fact that he made time to talk to me and also he's been making time to talk to a lot of fans throughout the season meeting up with them is very much appreciated perfect so we do have two nominees this year both are from taken by kim um the first nominee was uh at zanvort when pierre gasly was doing like the michael jackson lean over the big banking curve that goes into the finals it goes into the final straight and the second one was checo jumping into the pool uh, with the Red Bull team around him at Monaco to celebrate his first win. So the winner goes to Pierre Gasly with his Michael Jackson lead over at Zamvort. If you haven't checked it, have you seen it? Check it out on Kim Roman's IG page. Um, he, I call him Pierre Jackson. By the way, he was leaning. It was pretty sweet. So what, we we have the document open, and I didn't realize the reference until you started explaining it, and then what? Yeah. Watch the smooth criminal music video, man. <laughs> yeah, pretty much he does a smooth criminal lean on the banking, and it was great to see. You've been struck by a smooth criminal. <laughs> Erica, your turn. All right. Uh, so going along Damn. with some of the other awards there, we have uh, one here that could be kind of scary if you think about it. We have the craziest crash award. So we really were unanimous, unanimous on this one. They're really, as much as I'm sure we could come up with a couple other crashes, this was the standout. And so our winner for craziest crash was... Uh, Zhou Guan Yu flipping over his head at Silverstone. I'm not going to do the applause for that one because it was such a scary moment to see the car kind of take off on the track like that the fact that he walked away with no injuries is a a testament to how far safety has come in these cars oh my goodness and really <laughs> i don't know i don't have anything else to say to that just i would like to applause wow. the halo uh, the to do an applause to the halo i think that, yeah. that was what was applause for halo 
well, saved his life effectively. Because if you watch it on, like, there's some good YouTube uh, clips of people who were at that first turn and like just seeing what happened and how he's just skidding along into the gravel and then hits the tire barrier and flips over. Oh, it's just, it's insane. But thankfully, he came out without a scratch and just bless the FIA for the safety that they've been implemented over the past few years to really make sure that, you know, those types of accidents don't lead to, um, you know, very severe consequences. And to boot, I mean, um, I think a little bit of uh, kudos go to George Russell on this one, despite the fact that he was caught up in some of the chaos at the start of the race there that led to this crash. He really could have just continued to drive after this was done, but he chose to stop and get out of the car and essentially retire just to make sure that Joe was okay and to kind of be on standby while this was all going down. And I personally think that's a pretty commendable thing to do. You had the option to go rejoin the race, but you did what ethically felt right. And I think that's a pretty stand-up move. So kudos to George Russell on that one. On to the next award. We have the most exciting win. This is nominated to a driver who has had the most exciting uh basically win where it was not a snooze fest but everything um so the nominees are ferrari's win at bahrain verstappen's win at jetta checo at monaco or verstappen win uh win at spa and the winner of the most exciting win goes to verstappen at spa i finally did it once yeah, I'm learning. Overtakes. That is literally my note here. And I'm pretty sure that's like every meme. Uh, it's the one who's like, California girls is on the night. And I literally think that's what this meme basically summarizes his overtakes. Because I'm pretty sure he started in P14 and just came all the way back to win this race. I, I Enough said. I think yeah, Spa got... was the race. Oh, I think the reason he was P14, wasn't this the one where we had like 18 million different grid penalties and pit lanes? starts yeah okay but in the matter of a couple laps max made up a lot of ground it was incredibly impressive yeah the fact that he got into first about like 15 to 20 laps earlier than everyone anticipated was just unbelievable and he would again domination nation for max verstappen this season and spy clearly showed why like that was I, like i'm not even mad i'm just impressed it was just wow i yeah ooh, ooh. I, I do I do love that like uh, I do picture him playing like don't worry be happy in his head while he's driving in that race uh, oh I'm next <laughs> we have another fun award and uh, yeehaw kind of gives us a little bit of an idea as to where we're headed so you know uh, uh, we've seen a lot of funny moments as people have got to the track uh, which really gave us the inspiration for best driver entrance now we were pretty unanimous on this one and i'm sure you have a sense of where we're going but i would be remiss if i didn't say another one of my favorite moments from seasons past was when lando forgot his pass and couldn't get to the circuit one time and had to like <laughs> shuffle in behind someone else like guy this is your job and it's race day <laughs> make sure you have your pass um, but with that said, in 2023, we decided to give this award to 2023, 2022, we decided to give this award to Daniel Ricciardo on horseback at the Circuit of the Americas. What was, a entrance. That was fantastic. <laughs> I mean, holy hell. What a way to make a statement. Oh, I meant your accent there. But yes, the horse was great, oh. too. <laughs> That's a noise. Oh, that's one, not a sorry. knife that's a knife 
No, seriously, like uh, we've seen some pretty iconic looks from Danny Rick at the Circuit of the Americas in the past. We've seen some very interesting facial hair choices as well as some very classic Western cowboy vibes from him. But I I have to say he really put a feather in his cap with this horseback riding thing. I just too too bad it didn't really work out with him that day at, at the track. Well, when you know what they say, when it rains, it pours, right, John? Oh, that is a great segment. Oh, segway. What about a ting? <laughs> okay, anyways. Um, so the next award, we're actually coming towards the end, which is kind of sad. So this is obviously a shout out to make sure you hit that subscribe button. So the next award, reigning cats and dogs award. Basically the crappiest weather award. This is literally what I'm <laughs> gonna call it. Uh, I am not reading from the script. I can tell the whoever's writing my script to bugger off. Um, we only had one nominee, and that was Japan. Just play the music. <laughs> Japanese Grand Prix wins the Raining Cats and Dogs Award. Um, the, weather, the weather sucked. It was really bad. It was a scary race at a couple of moments, too. Like the tractor. Oh, my gosh. Gasly, oh, tractor. my God. The tractor. Gasly almost oh. met Jesus did, that night. That was a bonehead play of the year right there, too. That was a bonehead play of the year, yeah. How was that not nominated? I'm pretty sure. I wanted to put that away in my mind. Honestly, I didn't want to think about that. Yeah. Oh also, goodness. there were just too many. I think we had too many bonehead moves of the year. Oh my gosh. Yeah, but what a race. I mean, like Singapore was a close second. Like there were those memes of everyone talking about how they were going to have to race in jet boats instead of cars. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, Japan was gross. Like kudos to the fans for sticking it out. No, a testament to the fan base there in Japan. Um, we've heard in the past that F1 say they love racing in Japan. They love the fan base there. And rain or shine, they will be there until the final flag, until the, until the, the flag goes. So yeah, kudos to them. Really unfortunate for the bad weather. I don't know if it's typhoon season there when they do the race. Maybe the, the FIA should really consider rechanging, like, you know, scheduling the calendar around the sketch the calendar around that. Um, but nevertheless, uh yeah, September and August is the typhoon season. That's when the race was. I just I'm not the one at F1 making the decision, but refix your damn schedule. Just just a thought, just a just a suggestion from a impartial bystander. Yeah, even though that it rained the whole time, 200,000 people showed up. So, like, kudos to the fans. Like, that's – we almost – we got rained out on the Saturday in Canada – and sorry, in Montreal. And, boy, let me tell you, made some some great content when we couldn't – we had to wait for the racing. It was great. I turned a garbage bag into a pair of pants. Uh (laughs) Beautiful. I I fortunately had a poncho, but it was just raining – so aggressively that I, I turned myself into a little pill pocket out of a tarp and uh trash bag. Uh, but fortunately, it did clear up in time for qualifying. So we got to see some really cool racing on the wet track, but sans the rain continuing to come down. Um, so it, it made for an overall pretty, pretty solid day, I would say, minus the, the wanting to die for a while. So Unfortunately, you've come down to this time. It's the final award of the 2022 Formies. Uh, We're doing the luck of the draw award or unluck of the draw award, however you want to feel. It's the driver with the worst luck of the season. We have two nominees, well, three in theory. One, Fernando Alonso, and just the crap you had to deal with at Alpine. Two, Charles Leclerc. 
and all the issues that he had at Ferrari, but also, unfortunately, some of the mistakes that he made, too, um, that cost him races. And three, uh, Zhou Guanyu with Alfa Romeo and pretty much how he DNF'd like pretty much every other race because of technical issues. So the winner of the final award, the Luck of the Draw Award, goes to Zhou Guanyu. Uh, we say this. We say this because I think he uh, got shafted pretty hard this season by, or uh, we think he got shafted by Alfa Romeo pretty hard this season, and that he could have scored a lot more points, I think, along with Alonso. But to me, Alonso and uh, Alpine was not matrimonious, uh, you know, come halfway through the season when Alonso signed his contract with Aston Martin. I think they were actively trying to screw him up. So that's why I think the worst, was what we think the worst luck of the year goes to Joe Guanyu in that case so one take a drink every time we screw up with the applause um i'm just saying that right now two i'm actually shocked it wasn't leclerc to be honest with like some of the moment or like ferrari uh well yeah let's be real i i was shocked for leclerc but you know i this one was kind of a controversial pick in a sense that like it could go either way i think with joe or leclerc um so i'm actually like Shocked we did go with Joe, but yeah, the guy had no luck this season and very much hoping for a better year. I think the key difference for me was that a lot of his DNFs weren't like, let's say most of his, I think most of all of his DNFs were based on technical issues and, you know, one accident. Charles was based on, there was a couple accidents that he made mistakes himself. He made some mistakes um, just in general during races that cost him key points. So that's why I think like, he kind of brought some of that uh, bad luck upon to himself this season. Yeah. And I mean, Ferrari's own strategy choices and whatnot didn't help Leclerc's cause where really some of this stuff for Joe, I, I don't think was foreseeable or something that anyone really could have altered in any way. Like some of those mechanical failures, as soon as it pops up on the screen, you're kind of toast and you don't necessarily know ahead of time that that's going to happen. So it truly, in my opinion, was the luck of the draw, unfortunately for Joe, as opposed to, you know, some of the other intermingling factors and people who got in the way of Alonzo and uh, Charles Leclerc this past season. That's my two cents. If you'd like the piggy bank to put them in, I may provide one later. <laughs> How'd you like my sound effects? That was great. Uh, I think you can play it one more time. Okay. The, uh, the clapping one, I think. Oh, that one too. Yes, well, thank you, everybody, for listening to the Forbies. Um, it's our final ep- episode of the 2022 season, but don't don't fret. We're going to be back with some great 2023 content. Jono, why don't you let us out today? Happy New Year, everybody. We're hoping for, we're wishing you guys all a great year in 2023. And just keep in mind, what was I going to say? Sorry, I was keep in mind. <laughs> Keep in mind that uh, testing is just around the corner in, in a month and a half. Woo! So we're all very super excited for that. Thank you to uh, um, just, you know, I think this year we can dedicate it to the fans and this has been a lot of fun projects. So we had two killer seasons only. We're only going to go up. So uh, again, thank you. Make sure to hit that subscribe button on all of our social channels, YouTube, Twitch, uh, Instagram, Spotify, Apple Podcast, myself, Andrew, and Erica, and obviously special shout out to Tyler Hathrow, who has appeared on the pod a couple of times. Uh, we couldn't have done this project without you guys. So thank you so much. And uh, on to season three, baby. Let's do this. I'd also like to really quick give a thank you to John and Adam at work who came up with some of the categories that we talked about today in our app. Love the collaborative effort. Thank you both. 
It is much appreciated. I should also note that Brett, uh, Brett and Mitch obviously obviously nominated as well um, from my fantasy pool. So thank you again to those guys. Yay. We appreciate everybody in the fans. Uh, you know, we do the podcast. We love doing it for the fans and we love your feedback and, you know, the growth that we've experienced over this past year. Uh, has been humbling to say the least and very motivational um, for our future content. So thanks again. Don't, as John said, don't forget to hit the subscribe button on YouTube. Follow us on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Twitch. John, Erica, it's been an incredible year. I can't wait to come back for season three. Let's have a ball and maybe Ferrari can win the championship this next season. We shall see. Don't get his hopes up. Don't get his hopes up. You lose. Thanks, everybody. Ugh.